Welcome to Matinee with Matt, the ultimate rendezvous for all things entertainment. My name is Matt Kreeth, a film critic, and I'm joined weekly by my husband, Michael. Not so much a film critic. So grab your popcorn as we dive headfirst into the world of movies, TV shows, books, and beyond. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Matinee with Matt. It's cuffing season. Oh my goodness. I know. I've been singing that for the last couple of days and my lips are so chapped. I like it is coming. It is coming up to winter. I can definitely feel it. I wondered where you were going with the chapped lip. <laughs> I just like the last couple of days, they've just been going nuts on me. But, um, but yeah. season and chapped lip season. <laughs> and winter is coming uh but yeah it is cuffing season which means we're going to be talking today about romantic comedies which i happen to know because i am married to you that this is like your favorite genre it really is absolutely why <laughs> it definitely is my one of it i no, it is i would dare to say it's probably my favorite genre i think i could always be down to watch a rom-com they're about an hour and a half to an hour and 50 minutes. And so it's usually short and sweet and everything gets wrapped up. There's a happily ever after. You have a good time. Go home. Call it a day. Everybody wins. Yeah. Love. Hopefully love wins. <laughs> hopefully love does win. Uh, do you remember the other day when we were looking for something to watch on Netflix and you were coming through the romantic comedy section? Seen them all. In every single one of them, there no, was like, well, we didn't get to the end of it, but because no, but you were like, oh, seen it, seen it, seen it <laughs> becomes a real stretch as to how did those make it into the category when you get to the end of Netflix. But yeah, no, I've seen a bunch of them. We have our friend Christina, who has then I haven't taken my love of rom-coms to the level that she has global. You're right. <laughs> she's like gone into a rabbit. Oh, this is our friend. She's gone in with dropped this like news on us the other day because we were like have you seen this movie and she's like oh yeah i watched that when i was going through my foreign rom-com phase <laughs> she likes a good dubbing i on netflix where uh, everybody's dubbed in english but she's yeah she watches apparently a lot of international rom-coms which neither one of us will do an episode on it yeah. Oh, she will definitely come on and we will talk about those because neither one of us has watched a ton of them. So it would be nice to hear about what's going on in the rest of the world in terms of I romantic know, I would comedies. I love to pick her brain around understanding, like, is it the same cheesy type of, what am I looking for? Like cheesy turmoil or like the challenges that they face? Yeah. The, um, because uh, often in romantic comedies, there is something that's blocking the two of them from finding true love although the audience always knows that they're going to get together in the end and you know there might be an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend that comes into the picture and tries to ruin it for everybody and yeah i mean it's just you know obstacle after obstacle after obstacle so yeah it'd be really interesting to hear if it's the same outside of america they have these kind of tropes as well what was it from mean girls where she likes math because it's the same in all languages i think i think maybe love uh -huh. or struggles in love can be the same in all languages Eddie heron poet who knew it? Wow, so deep in that math class. Thank you, Lindsay Lohan. But okay, so I am not as familiar with Cuffing Season as some other people are because I've never really had an actual Cuffing Season situation for myself. I've always 
you know, we were already we've just always been in love. I've always just been in love. Oh, as he pushes his hair back <laughs> over his shoulder. Okay. Um, but I mean, what it like cuffing season, as far as I understand it, uh, because of Saturday Night Live and, and TikTok and, and whatnot. I need a big boy. We'll find the club and uh-huh. play it. We will be playing that, uh, but uh, over and over and over again for the next couple of months. Uh, but as far as I understand about cuffing season is just that, you know, you, you latch on to a, a guy or a gal and, and bring them around the holidays seems like a lot yeah, I think of that work. Has to be a lot of work. I know there are a lot of romantic comedies that are purely based on this scenario alone. We've watched them a million times, but what I know you did a little research into cuffing season. So what is cuffing season? Well, I got in the car and I drove straight to the library <laughs> because I said, I need to know more. Sure you did. I'm just kidding. I was sitting in sweatpants on the couch. Uh, <laughs> But Merriam-Webster, the official dictionary, you know, the one, has an entire page and a a definition for cuffing season. Their definition reads, cuffing season refers to the period of time where single people begin looking for short-term partnerships to pass the colder months of the year. Cuffing season usually begins in October, and this was news to me, last all the way until after Valentine's Day. Through Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I mean, there's a lot of holidays to plan for. The word cuff references handcuffs. It's slang or in the same vein as hooking up or getting hitched, but all the way through Valentine's Day. So, okay, you go through all the major holidays of the end of the year. You hit off the big ones at the beginning of the year. And then, at, like, do you think we'll enter into it in agreement knowing, okay, we're going to ride this through Valentine's Day? Oh, my assumption with cuffing season is that there's one person in this pseudo relationship that doesn't actually know that it is a handcuff oh, situation. Wow. I mean, that's my guess. Is there's always somebody a little more clueless than the other. The other one is just kind of using that person. And then I'm surprised it's Valentine's Day. Like that is a stretch. That feels long. That is a six month, like come or four to six month commitment to somebody. That's a relationship at that point. Yeah, they should like, be in yeah. love. <laughs> so that was Miriam's definition. And we will leave it up to those people to figure out how do they end it? What was the contract like that they signed? <laughs> Thanks, Miriam. We appreciate it. I think the better definition comes from the other official dictionary urban dictionary can't wait i know this was a good one this one uh, honestly like i if anybody from coors light is listening marketing people reach out because this was great but coors light the beer has the the number one upvoted definition of cuffing season and that's how urban dictionary works is it's user submitted definitions they get upvoted downvoted and the one that has the most uh, i guess connection to society is the first one at the top oh i guess they didn't realize that okay Good to know. Yeah. And so they read, this is great. Again, it's written by the user of Coors Light. They only have one definition ever written on Urban Dictionary. So it's not like they got on there and today I'm going to write a bunch of cool, crazy definitions. Uh, So the first one they wrote was for cuffing season, the cold season when everyone's coupling up. So you settle for a new boyfriend or girlfriend way below your standards or you're one of the smart ones who cozies up with a Coors Light in your pupper BFF. Way to advertise Coors Light. I mean, there's got to be times when it would be way more convenient to just have a Coors Light and sit on the couch with the dog. With the dog? <laughs> Come on, Luce. <laughs> yeah, Lucy, our dog, where you at? <laughs> uh, but I thought that was great. I thought that was a, I, they saw their opening, they took it, and you know what? I think that should become the official definition and Coors Light should go hand in hand with cupping season. I appreciate that. I hope to see some marketing this holiday season 
talking about it. But they did this back in 2020, so there may have been an ad campaign in 2020. At yeah. the time. Yeah. I, during COVID, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Talk about cuffing season. I mean, you know, we drank a lot during COVID those days. I mean, I understand Coors Light's angle there. Like I said, they saw their opportunity and they took it. <laughs> Again, I mean, I think this is definitely something that love is obviously something I would dare to say, you know, everybody can connect with or is out searching for. And so to understand a little bit about this audience, I was really wanting to tackle and see what the single audience or those folks that are looking for love, what that landscape looked like. And so I looked up Bumble statistics. Bumble, that's where we met. So Matt and I, yeah, you met in the digital dating world. <laughs> we met on the grid. We met on the grid and actually met in real life in Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah. So looking at Bumble, Bumble's uh, numbers, they've got, they had over 50 million active users in 2023. That's a big number. That is a huge number. Seems like, I imagine that that's global. That's worldwide. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. But the ratio is three to one, male to female. So there's three men to every one That's really interesting because platform. Bumble, I mean, at least when it started, it was specifically targeted towards women starting yeah. the conversation first with men. So it's interesting that there's more men on there than there are women now. Well, men getting on there and ruining Thanks, it for man. everyone, I guess. There's a large audience. That's what the ratios look like. They've got about 26% of the market share for dating apps. Tinder's got the first one. This definitely, I think this illustrates the volume or the size of uh, individuals that are looking to connect with love, looking for that special someone. And hopefully, you know, rom-coms can bring some joy, some escape, or also just like kind of help them realize maybe my life isn't that crazy. Cause you know, you look at the situation with Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey and how to lose a guy in 10 days. So yeah, they look at that and they're like, well, I'm not buying love ferns for anyone. Oh, Things got to be going great. It is cuffing season. So hope they're probably getting a lot more traffic these days in the moment, but okay. So yes, people out there be dating. People be dating. Um, but you want to talk about some actual romantic comedies that we love and other people love as well? I would love nothing more. Uh, so just a little bit about, because I did my own little research on kind of the history of romantic comedies. Thank you for your history lesson on the the dating scene Cuffing in season. America worldwide right now and cuffing season. Uh, for romantic comedies, when, when we were kind of looking up the evolution of the romantic comedy, where it started, I, all I could find at first was just all about how William Shakespeare just made all of these, uh, wrote all these plays that were about romance and, and inserted a little comedy in there. I am not a Shakespeare expert. I couldn't tell you any of those plays. I, I have seen many Shakespeare plays in my life, including film adaptations, they all tend to be like a Romeo and Juliet Not where there's a, a lot of tragedy rather than comedy. Yeah. I know they exist. We just, we aren't the people to tell you yeah, all about Shakespeare. Read but... Shakespeare with Matt podcast. It definitely isn't. Uh, but what I can tell you is about the evolution of the romantic comedy as far as movies go. So as far back as, you know, the 1930s and 1940s, there were a lot of romantic comedies that came out, not only in silent films prior to that, but when there started to be talking in, in films, romantic comedies were huge blockbuster events. The talkies. 
the talkies yeah <laughs> starting with the talkies and a lot of famous people came out of these talkies yep. in the 30s and 40s specifically spencer tracy and, and Catherine hepburn did just a ton of movies together Catherine hepburn was in bringing a baby with Cary grant and there were all these kind of comedies that came out of nowhere that that people just loved in addition to the dramas and, and tragedies that they did watch in movies but romantic comedies just they they blossomed during this time all the way onto the 1980s and 1990s, skipping some decades there. We bring to more modern romantic comedies with color <laughs> and, 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 uh, and Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts and people that became bona fide superstars because of the romantic comedy. Yes, they've done things since then. They've gone on to uh, much more dramatic roles and, and other things like that. But we like love them. And we, like Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> yeah, that she Julie Roberts won her Oscar. Uh, but, but as far as romantic comedies go, I mean, Meg Ryan really just, uh, just catapulted her career into a different direction with Joe versus the Volcano and Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally. And that really just launched this whole other side to romantic comedies that, yeah, they've existed for decades and, and years before that, but she is the most modern kind of version of the romantic comedy as a person herself. She's coming out with another romantic comedy this year alongside David Duchovny, and, and she's directing that. So it, she she's still working in that space, and that's why we love Meg. But uh, when Julia Roberts started her career in romantic comedies and kind of keeps going with Ticket to Paradise uh, alongside George Clooney recently. Favorite um, couple. Favorite couple, yeah. And, uh, you know, the history of romantic comedies, are, are it's still being written. There, there's different iterations that are going on now where, you know, the romantic comedy genre hasn't been a huge blockbuster event in quite some time, especially since the invention of streaming and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and, and others have taken on the platform rather than movie theaters to actually debut romantic comedies because they don't, you know, really want to spend a lot of money on these types of movies anymore. And they cast B-list, C-list actors nowadays, and they just shuffle them off to streaming audiences and hope that somebody watches it enough to have some unique visitors. Well, clearly we know I will. Oh, yeah. I mean, you tackled that category on Netflix like no one I've ever seen. So, but then all of those that are featured on these streaming channels, they tend to be old romantic comedies. And the reason for that is because audiences remember that feeling of going to the theater and, and watching a, uh, watching a rom-com with somebody and, and loving how they felt. And those movies used to make so much money. I'm very surprised that studios aren't investing as much in romantic comedies as much as they used to. I think that there is a market out there, as as you well examined with the Bumble market and cuffing season and whatnot. Uh, there's definitely an audience there. And I, I, I do wish that studios would focus a little bit more on these kind of mid-sized movies, like A Sleepless in Seattle, where we have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in it. And we remember that feeling of seeing that for the first time in a theater, at least I do. Even though I was young, I still remember it and have watched it a million times since, and I still love it. You saw Sleepless in Seattle in theaters? 
Yeah, when I was a kid, my parents really didn't shelter you us away from yeah. movie. Like same similar time frame, we saw Die Hard in theaters, and I was probably five years old. Christmas movie, yeah, yeah absolutely, it's a Christmas movie. I I stand by that. But then we the other day, you and I just watched uh, the Jennifer Lawrence movie, uh, No Hard Feelings. I don't know if I necessarily classify that as a romantic comedy, but I think you did, right? It gets classified as that because I think the whole reason it's funny is because she's trying to, well, falling in love is not the goal, but she's there's a romantic connection that I think they're focused on the whole movie. And I think that's what makes it feel like a romantic comedy, but that's just a good movie. I mean, I always saw that one for like the third time. Yeah, I that's the third time I've seen it. I, I love that movie. I think it's so funny. And she kind of goes balls to the wall with uh, a lot of nude scene and uh, yeah that's one way to call it say it uh i mean she's nude in in a beach scene that's hysterical and uh, her chemistry with with the main actor in it is is fantastic even though there's quite an age difference it's it's really funny yeah i mean it's just a great movie if you haven't seen it you have to check it out it is on netflix but i mean j-law in that movie we obviously love her Love her. We could do an entire episode on Jennifer Lawrence. And she's done. She's had her fair share of romantic comedies. She's Maybe done not. a lot of dramatic work. Um, I When I was looking up some romantic comedies that I really enjoy, Silver Linings Playbook came up. One of her movies is what she won the Oscar for. I would not categorize that as a romantic comedy, but um, some people do. I I mean, it's like it's a it's a romantic dramedy for sure yeah i think that exists that is a subgenre for sure of romantic comedies but okay so she won the oscar for that role for silver lines playbook she was quite young she was probably like 21 or something she she, tripped, right she did she tripped. talk about it no 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 we know we got everything this or she did she tripped on the stairs as she was accepting her oscar as you talk about but you know that was 10 years ago it doesn't count it doesn't count is that the first time that a ro- uh, that a romantic comedy has shown up in the Oscars. I know that's not like um, the category or that genre of movies does not make it there often. It definitely doesn't make it there often. Um, if it does, mostly the writers tend to be the ones getting nominations. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, uh, Nia Verdalis was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Although I do kind of feel like that's more of like a family cultural type of movie rather than a romantic comedy. But, you know, sure. Sleepless in Seattle, I think Nora Ephron, I believe she was nominated for the Oscar for for that script. I definitely think uh, When Harry Met Sally was. But the actors, no. Not usually. They don't tend to. Um, so that was a, a big deal, I guess, for Jennifer Lawrence at the time. I think, too, then, aside from having a great script or you know, editing, mixing, all of the stuff that goes into making a movie, the characters have to have energy that is believable. Oh yeah, there's got to be chemistry. That's why we like Tom Hanks with Meg Ryan. They've starred in like, I think three or four movies together, all of them being romantic comedies. And, uh, you know, we love Julia Roberts. Although I guess I should backtrack. Julia Roberts did get nominated for the Oscar for Pretty Woman. Uh, so that is a romantic comedy that, okay. that, uh, that an actor was actually nominated for. Did not win, but um, she was nominated. Still nominated. And we love her. We love her in My Best Friend's Wedding. And we love her in Ticket to Paradise and Runaway Bride. And she just had a string of hits that were all romantic comedies for for many years yeah she is been my book the queen of romantic of rom-coms julia yeah i think she's the queen and then i think in her court she's got a court well yeah i think you know there's a a top dog julia 
obviously Meg. I, I'm on first name basis. Like I know them. I love it. Meg, Kate. Hudson. Both. Who's the other Kate? Winslet. Oh, I mean, I get, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 The holiday. Uh, Cameron. Cameron's up there. She did quite a few. Mm-hmm. You're missing the ones that are your favorite. Who's my favorite, though? I mean, you know you love a good Adam Sandler oh, movie yes. alongside either Jennifer Aniston or Drew Barrymore. It's like, we talk about romantic comedies being your favorite movie genre, but like, really, your favorite genre is probably Adam Sandler and either Jennifer Aniston or Drew Barrymore. Talking about chemistry, there obviously is something between that trifecta of actors. I just like, I mean, they're on, they're on camera together and I'm just... I'll, I, I'm just taken away. I mean, chemistry. I know it is. Uh, you love the wedding singer. You love Blended. My God, how many times have we watched Blended? That's not really. A, I mean, I guess it is a rom com. They fall in love. Yeah, yeah no. Okay. Um, Fifty first dates. Yeah, falling in love over and over. I do love that. Uh, if I could have a chance to meet, I would take two at a time. I would take like, okay, great, Adam and Drew, or Adam and. Jen. I would take Drew and Jen as well and be like, what was it like? Wouldn't it be so funny to see the three of them in a movie together? I don't think the three of them have done... I would be jealous. Oh, you would want to like be on set? No, I would be jealous for Jennifer Aniston or Drew Barrymore because I'd be like, one of them has to be the leading lady. Like they couldn't... Like Drew couldn't be the side piece. Oh, uh, they'd have to share. Exactly. No. No, don't be... It's crazy. She's no side piece. No, it'd be too powerful. We'd probably break the world and then you know I, you don't know what would happen if they all came together on camera we did not feel this way at all about what was that movie um your place or mine with reese witherspoon and oh, oh, no. you remember that it was such terrible chemistry they i think they like tried to do a sleepless in seattle thing uh if you don't know what this movie is it's on netflix i think still um it is they tried to do this weird Sleepless in Seattle thing where uh, both of them were kind of apart for most of the movie and then they come back to, spoiler alert, they come back together like towards the end. And they just... But apart in the fact that they're correct. filming yeah, separately. I mean, they're, yeah, yeah. Not like they were together right, and they like broke They're up. just on the phone with each other half the movie yeah, or most yeah. of the movie. And it just didn't work. Like it just wasn't... There was no chemistry there, even apart or together. And it just, it, it's, it's sad when you have really good actors that just simply don't vibe and, you know, well, you can't force love. You definitely cannot force love, but do you want to talk about some of your favorite romantic comedies? Do I ever? Okay. So it goes without saying, uh, well, not to all the audience and listeners, <laughs> but now it will. Uh, I think crazy rich Asians is my first. I feel like that's your favorite movie period. No, I like that movie a lot. I watch it almost every time I'm on a plane, but I think it's more so from like a security blanket type of situation. Like, I lo- I don't know. I I love it, man. The scene when the mom walks into the hotel and then they kick her out and then she comes back and she's like, yeah, I bought the place. Like, what? That's rich, rich. I cannot get over it. I think, and I mean, we went to Singapore and we got to go see a bunch of the filming locations and that's what I made us do in Singapore. <laughs> no, that's what I wanted to do. Are you kidding? We did our own little like Crazy Rich Asians tour and it was fantastic just seeing that hotel at the very end of that movie that they kind of, don't they get engaged at the end of that movie? Yeah, yeah they have party on, on the surfboard pool area. Oh, man, it was so cool to like be there, like to see like that place where they actually filmed the movie. It's incredible. 
and talk about like some space with like money, honey. Uh, because I mean, if it does not exist in that mall in Singapore, I am convinced it does Especially not exist. Especially if you're a luxury designer or something like that, because that is a very expensive part of the world. It's crazy. Totally loved it. Recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. So, uh, ironically enough, I haven't read the book. I started it. But I don't know. I stopped. But they're supposed to be making a sequel. I don't really know where yeah. what is happening with that. But I, I know that they. I, I think they greenlit it. Yeah. Oh, I. You wouldn't make it. Didn't tank. It did exceptionally no, well. It was extremely successful. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that you would do one book and then not the rest. So we'll see. Although I know there was like controversy around the main actress who's in it and i think she was like bombed or tweeted about it was yeah i know what you mean it she was on fresh off the boat and the the tv show and it had been renewed at the time I and mean, this is a few years ago and she got a lot of flack because she immediately posted something to social media about how she, bummed she was that it was renewed and, and a lot of people didn't really understand it she's since tried to kind of talk about that incident um because she was yeah she's walking it she, back well, walking back and uh, apparently there there was some just you know uh, behind the scenes drama that she really didn't want to be a part of okay and so i mean that show's since been canceled and and it's no longer the oh so she's free to film the second one okay i thought that's why she tweeted because she was bummed it would impact oh, no her i don't think schedule. it had anything to do with crazy oh okay well all right well i hope it all works out and i hope that she makes it <laughs> back on screen for us because yeah, i loved that movie the next one is a bit older and from 2004 but do you remember when a date with Tad Hamilton? Uh, Josh DeMel? Are you kidding? Kento for Grace. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, I had the soundtrack to that movie. I couldn't even tell you what songs were in that. I, was Were they good? Who was it? It was a John Mayer song. Oh, nice. Um, but no, that that is like, I think, a movie about a fan's love of romantic comedies because... He's a rom-com actor and she is obsessed with him. So I wonder if that would like really happen. Back in the day, it would have been Matthew McConaughey, but he, he got out of the game, out of the rom-com game. Totally. And the single game. <laughs> he is married. Yeah. <laughs> but who do you think would be win a date with blank? Uh, nowadays, it's probably like Jacob Bellorty. Who's that? Like, oh, he's from Euphoria. He's in Priscilla. Oh, uh, he he's in Priscilla. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is hot. Really, really, really tall. From the Kissing Booth, the okay. other rom-com that we like on Netflix. Yeah. Cool. I, that would be my guess. All right. Well, what do you think? Adam Sandler? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Win a date with a 55-year-old or however old he is. Yeah. <laughs> the Golden Bachelor. <laughs> Billy Crystal. <laughs> I don't know. That would be hard to say. I think that the role of leading man used to get cast over and over and you would see the same actor showing up in a variety of rom-coms but you just don't really see that anymore no i think back in the day and when i say back in the day i mean all of 20 years ago uh yeah. we really liked consistency i think as audiences and these days it's just kind of whoever wants to do these kind of movies well like you were saying earlier too around studios are not pouring that much money into these like they are going mm -hmm. streaming and they are grabbing B at list up and coming actors that are in these kind of running with that Hallmark model of cranking out Christmas movies, cranking out rom-coms. I guess you do get a variety of actors this time, which is great for us. Oh, Noah. What's that guy? Noah Sin. Oh, Noah Centineo. He probably would be, but well, he had a stint there. He had a stint in streaming doing a lot yeah. of those kind of movies. 
which, you know, good for them. I mean, it still makes stars out of out of some of these actors, but uh, the, the genre has just uh, gone, a, gone a different direction these days than it used to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think just pop onto Netflix and go to the rom-com section and start going right. And I'll be like, yep, yep. There's a there's a handful in there that I was like nope, uh, but I don't know. I think I like I I like them all. I don't. It's like having to pick your favorite kid, you know. We don't have kids, so that's a very easy decision yeah, but, for us. But yeah, I I get what you mean. <laughs> love them all. How about like? Do you have any that stick out like top of mind? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier uh, when Harry met Sally with Meg Ryan and, and Billy Crystal. That's just one that always comes up for me because it's it's a classic. A lot of people love that movie. There's very famous scene in it where Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are in a diner and and he's convinced that women can't fake orgasms and she fakes an orgasm right in front of him and on the spot. Have you never seen this movie? I now that you were describing the scene more, I feel like I have bits and pieces probably. But no, I mean I would definitely need to rewatch if I it would be forever ago when I saw it. Oh okay, god, we could watch that tonight. I would, I would love that. Would like it's a very famous scene, and and she just she like does it, does it <laughs> over a bowl and of, goes for over it. a bowl of lots of soup, basically. <laughs> and the 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 kind of more famous part of that that sequence is that uh, when she's done, she's just got this incredible smile on her face, and it's so funny. And Billy Crystal is just like gobsmacked he has no idea how to react and then the camera just points to a patron who happens to be played by the director rob reiner's mom but a lot of people you know may not know that at the time and she says the now kind of iconic line saying i'll have what she's oh, having oh, and it's like this much older woman that's just like hmm, i want some of that but oh i love that movie and it's it's a really funny movie because it goes from they meet the kind of college friends and then they their friendship kind of evolves into what ends up being a relationship and billy crystal has this incredible monologue at the end about what he how he wants to start the new year with her and it takes place on new year's eve but it's always really funny to me because as much as i love that movie billy crystal is like 41 in the movie playing someone who's probably supposed to be in their 20s and meg ryan is 28 also okay someone that's supposed to be like in her early 20s she is in her 20s i mean the movie it, it goes throughout the years i mean it's not just in like one specific time frame that it 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 does revolve around their relationship over a, a set of years but it's a little interesting when you realize there is a huge age difference between them but you know you kind of go with it movie magic movie magic uh, the other one that I just absolutely love is Bridget Jones's Diary, and mostly because I love, like, give me a messy female protagonist any day. I will just soak that up. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Renee Zellweger, it's her first Oscar nomination uh, for, oh, there you another go. One. Another one. And it's much more about her growth as, as a person. It was a very famous British novel uh, prior to it being made into a movie, which was a little bit of a controversy at the time hiring a casting a, a American actress to to play a British fictional character but she she hits it out of the park I mean it's an incredible movie I mean obviously she got nominated yeah and she did such a good job and you know Hugh Grant's very cute in it so is Colin Firth so we we like a, a a good man by her side and she ends up getting fought over by the two of them uh, towards the oh. end of the movie always kind of nice uh, to see so yeah I love those movies those are those are definitely some of my my rewatch favorites for sure 
Nice. I think that it is clear that this is a genre that is not going by the wayside, um, but also continues to evolve and, and change and grow as all the way from Shakespeare to where we are today. I think that the evolution of rom-coms has become more inclusive. <laughs> You're seeing more and more love stories represented on screen. Um, specifically, I think in the LGBTQ plus space we watched a few we watched red white and royal blue yeah. i actually read that book yeah it's cute i think the book is and you liked it right here's one time i can say i think the book is better than the movie because it covers a little bit more of the dynamics between the characters and stuff but that so it was great to see that story but then there's bros bros was oh yeah bros um i think you're about to say fire island right yep fire island love simon bros was a really interesting one i happened to see that at tiff at the the toronto film festival and there's definitely a disconnect between festival moviegoers and like the general public that goes and sees movies, uh, especially a disconnect between movie theater goers and when somebody first sees a movie on streaming. Because Bros was like the biggest hit in Toronto when I saw it. Everybody in the theater just laughed at every single part that you're supposed to laugh at. You're swooning over Luke McFarlane, who's super hot in that movie. And the whole cast was there for the premiere. It was a really big deal. And then nobody saw it when it came out in theaters. They marketed the shit out of it, Universal. They they really wanted people to see it. Not even gay people showed up to see this movie. And it was supposed to be, it was marketed as the first like gay rom-com that was backed by a major studio, Universal. Yeah, it was. It was. And it, and it made absolutely no money in theaters. Billy Agnes kind of went on, unfortunately, a, a tirade about it. You know, there's a lot of reasons that maybe a lot of people maybe don't like Billy Eichner's comedy, so to, you know, and, and maybe they didn't see it for that reason, or maybe they just weren't big enough A-list stars that were in this movie you know who knows why people didn't show up but there's a thousand articles on on that movie alone um but it shouldn't deter studios in my opinion from making these kind of movies because i thought it was pretty funny it talks a lot about the gay experience maybe a little too much um it's pretty raunchy it's pretty interesting and funny but I, I would love to see more movies like that. I think that we're getting to a space where we are going to see some of that. Fire Island was good. You liked Fire Island? I liked Fire Island a lot. It is evolving. It's like, again, we're not producing content to like Shakespearean plays. Like it, it'll keep, it'll keep changing and growing, which I'm excited for the future. I'm glad that this genre is around. It is always nice to be able to just pop one on and shut your brain off, enjoy it, giggle a little, <laughs> you know? And maybe they'll live happily ever after. Well, they better, or I don't want to watch it. (laughs) Nobody tends to die in romantic comedies. That's why we like it. Safe bet. Cool. Well, I mean, good to see that, again, the genre is going to be sticking around and uh, it's not going anywhere. All right, cool. Thanks, Matt, for all of that fun, insightful knowledge on rom-coms. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> we are now at the go on segment where I'm going to bring you this fun fact and we will get to talk about it for a little bit. But did you know, allegedly, or as the conspiracy theorists have this sorted and figured out, that Taylor Swift is actually writing a book series? Go on. Well, according to the credible news source of TikTok, Taylor Swift is behind the spy series, the spy novel series that is being depicted in the upcoming movie Argyle. Oh, the Matthew Vaughn movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Swifties can definitely, I mean, man, 
they will find something out of nothing. Uh, like police investigator, like like detectives need, need to hire, hire Swifties because For sure. they dissect everything. She wore this sock on her right foot on the blood moon, and now she wrote a book. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> she wrote Argyle? No, 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 no. She didn't write Argyle, but there is a speculation that the author that is depicted in Argyle is actually Taylor Swift. So the spy series book hasn't come out yet, which is interesting because it is about like this is an actual book, a spy mm-hmm. series book that series is coming out. And this movie is about the writing and making of that book series. Oh, okay. They're, they're speculating that Taylor Swift is actually the author, Ellie something, I think, or another, is actually the author of this book series, which is such a stretch in my mind because... Well, when does she have the time to write a book series oh while touring and writing albums and singing? I'm like, I just, I don't... That's, <laughs> if she does, then she's like, that's... Uh, she's amazing. I would like the person managing her schedule to just come manage mine for a day then. Yeah. Could I be an <laughs> ounce as productive as she is? But there's speculation only because, I mean, all right, it's the same type of cat that this author has. The Scottish Fold cat, I think, is what she's got. And this, like, a backpack with the cat. And then the argyle everywhere. And the red hair. It is, I think... A stretch, it, it sounds like me. A but... stretch. Uh, <laughs> But I am here for it, and I will love to see how this unfolds. I'll be the first to admit that I was bamboozled. If it was, in fact, her, I'll be like, wow, you got me. You pulled the wool over my head, Taylor. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, that's the latest that I think I had seen uh, on the internet. But speaking of movie, it comes out next February. Yeah, it looks it's, really yeah, good. I do. I Henry Cavill. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I, I, Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa, yeah. It's the, the trailer looks amazing. Yeah. So anyways, that's what I got for you. So we'll see, hopefully. I don't know. I guess next February we'll find out if it, but it, surely if it was, well, we don't need to keep ranting about this, but yeah. I mean, it would be amazing if we found out that she is actually the writer of these novels. That would be incredible. I have my doubts, but we'll see. I'd read it only because I think she's a great writer, yeah. but no. Oh, okay. Well, well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate you bringing that TikTok knowledge. That little fun <laughs> fact for us. We'll propagate misinformation some more. You know, keep do your thing, Internet. And Taylor Swift knows a thing or two about romantic comedies because she happened to be in one in Valentine's Day with uh, Taylor Lautner, um, her boyfriend at that time. So, you know, yeah. maybe she is the writer of of this Argyle movie and or these set of books, and maybe she kind of drops some romantic comedy knowledge in there. You never know. We'll find out. Well, thank you, Michael, for bringing that knowledge to us today. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Matinee with Matt. Please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Matinee with Matt. That's a wrap. <laughs>